Hello and welcome back to another episode of American Student Radio, airing on 99.1 WIUXLP Bloomington. And available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noura Ahmed. And I'm Peeler Brynjarski, and we're your hosts for this episode, Letting Go. I think I need to do like the same. Hello! Hello. Oh, live yeah, from... Oh, awesome. Okay, great. Sounds like Andy live from Indiana. Live from, uh, live from Indiana, Indiana University, University in Bloomington. Bloomington. This is... This is hot. It's a hot mic. This is American, American Student Radio. Radio. That's pretty great. Is it like a sound or is it like... Fresh, crunching snow. Two hours of finger picking. Very good ASMR content. <laughs> Tragic, but also really beautiful. This week, we decided to have our producers focus on the theme, letting go. Peeler and I were both homeschooled for an extended period of time. And we just thought that we would talk about that experience and kind of the residual resentment of having this weird education. Many families homeschool their kids because they live far away from a public school system or um, for religious reasons. Or There's also the apocalyptic beliefs, like those people that are planning for the end of the world, the people that like hoard all that food in their basement. And they're like, why send my child to school when um, we're all going to be bombed in two years? So might as well just start their education at home because they'll have to continue when the apocalypse happens. But unlike the doomsday prophets, our parents decided to homeschool us because of a distrust of the school system and a belief that they could uh, maybe do it better or uh, do it better for us. Yeah, my parents just, specifically my mother, um, just didn't see a lot of value in the public education system. She thought the classrooms were overcrowded. She had a lot of distrust. And I'm from a big family. And when my mother first started homeschooling, she was actually a stay-at-home mom. And it was kind of more along the lines of like the unschooling type of thing where you take the activities of your daily life and create a lesson plan around it and just show more practical applications of education where, oh, it's like, oh, you're interested in this thing. Let's go to the library and read about it. Whereas in public education, you know, it's very regimented. It's we're going to learn this on this day. Um, That was when my older siblings were at home with our mother and doing those types of things. When I first started being homeschooled or like when I would have gone into public education, my mother actually worked and had a job, which was kind of a weird choice in my opinion to have us continue to be homeschooled, me and my younger siblings, when both of my parents worked full time and I can't really say what homeschooling was like for my older siblings because I've never extensively talked about it with them, but homeschooling us was clearly not their priority at that time. So this episode is about the relief you feel when you let go, almost like a physical burden has been lifted off your back. It's about that sensation and how we get there. First, a piece from Max Sandifer. Oh, how the endorphins fly. Join Max as he takes us on a short journey through a runner's high and how it feels to have your mind completely let go during a jog.
and luck was all it took. You got me hooked, now I'm falling so fast for you. Something that I kind of think about homeschooling now, like something positive, I don't know if I'd call it, I'd say it's positive, but something I think is a good critique of the public school system is that like I entered, you know, in the eighth grade, super unprepared. I didn't know like a lot of these technical things, but there was so much like inconsistency in what people were taught that I really just kind of like slid in there. I also did a lot of independent reading, so I feel like in a lot of ways, when I finally did get down like paper writing and how to do it, my writing was better than other people. So that's kind of something my sister and I have talked about a lot where it's like, how much did we really miss out on if we could have entered the system like with very little formal training and just immediately like be absorbed? So like how, yeah, how much were we really like missing out on and how much do you actually do in public school versus how much of it is about like socializing? I felt a very similar way in that like although I did have some uh distinct gaps in my like knowledge or skills I was like pretty capable um and I was I would say pretty successful in high school and would have been successful in a brick and mortar high school um and not a not an online one but I developed a lot of resentment about not going to a brick and mortar middle school and then a brick and mortar high school because I uh, missed out on all the like socialization aspects, which is 
a huge part of school for a lot of people, just being surrounded by that many people all the time uh, changes how you see the world. Like I had friends when I was homeschooled or when I was going to online school because of the extracurriculars that I was involved in. Um, I had a few different things like around town that I that I made friends through. But there was always this sensation that the friends that I made were always going to be closer to each other at school. And also I just like didn't get the chance to interact with tons and tons of strangers or like near strangers all the time at school, um, which just kind of makes you a better socializer. So by the time I got to college, um, I was somewhat socially inexperienced. Um, and I was really angry about that. It seems like letting go has come into style, at least when it comes to physical possessions. People in their 20s and 30s are combing through their life's accumulation of clutter and sorting into two piles, things that spark joy and things that don't. In this next piece, Emily Miles explores the trend at the local Goodwill. So actually, Goodwill told me uh, I couldn't talk to anybody. And you wouldn't believe how difficult it is to get a hold of a thrift shop that will talk to you. Uh, well, our manager is not here on Saturday, so uh, you would need to call maybe on Tuesday. The shop is closed on Monday because the sorority um, comes in to work on that day, so... Oh, okay, well, just a minute. Let me get you the director here, and she might have time to talk with you. Thank you. Until... Hi, uh, I'm Emily. I'm with American Student Radio at IU, and I'm doing a fun little story about people who are donating because they're inspired by Marie Kondo. I was wondering if I could potentially come in and just ask a few questions about that. Uh, sure, you could do that. Awesome. Uh, Debbie Pryor, I am the store manager, and um, I just keep the daily uh, things going every day, donations, volunteers, donors, all the above. We have people asking us every day if uh, the Marie Kondo video has increased our donation, and the answer is no. I mean, we've definitely talked to people who come in here and they say, like, oh, I just clean out my whole thing, like, and we were like, oh, because of that show, and they're like, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm Audrey Bodeker. I'm a senior at IU and assistant manager at My Sister's Closet. I actually started as an intern last summer. So I don't know about, like, trends. What do you think? It's just people have mentioned it a lot, uh, but as far as us, uh, it hasn't increased our donation. So we are a nonprofit organization. We're a resale store, uh, which we were just voted the, in the top 10 best um, thrift stores in Indiana. Uh, we help at-risk, low-income women uh, by several different means um, get back into workforce with clothing so that they can get you know to the first paycheck, be self-sufficient, and um, feel more empowered. 
That's great. So sort of on, on a personal note, um, have you like engaged much with like the Marie Kondo trend on your own? Truthfully, I haven't had time. I do want to do that, uh, but I have not had time to do it myself yet. I've watched the show a little bit, so I've learned some of the tricks, but I haven't done it myself yet. I mean, you can really build an accumulation sometimes without even even uh, uh, realizing it until you see a video like the Marie Kondo or someone brings it to your attention about organizing, and then you look at what you have and you're totally overwhelmed or surprised at what you have accumulated yourself in just a short period of time. Say when you move into a house, it's empty. You build it and build it, build it. A few years later, if you're moving to another location, you're amazed at how much you have accumulated over that short span of time. Thank you. Yeah. Don't forget your bag of goodies. Oh my goodness. Walk out of here. I didn't want you to do that. Yeah. Thanks All again. Right. Well, thank you so much. You too. And for those of you who have gotten to that point of accumulation, there's somebody local who can help. Hi. Hi. Um, so I'm here to see Jasper. Oh, come in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey. Cool. I'm <laughs> nice to meet you. Good to meet you. What's your name? Again? I'm Emily. Emily. Cool. Welcome. Would you like tea or water or anything? I'm totally good, but thank you. Okay. What's the pup's name? First of all, your room is incredibly neat. Has anybody ever told you that? Yes, I've been told this. Also, though, it wasn't neat 10 minutes ago. I just heard you were coming over, and I'm like, I better be tidy for this tidying thing. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about this sort of business that you've started up. So this is something that I've done with friends for a while, just helping my friends kind of clean up and get rid of things for fun. Um, when Tidying Up came out on Netflix, I realized that I could, that actually people, a lot of people wanted this and that I could charge for it. People come to me because their homes are messy and they feel like they have a lot more stuff than they need, but that's usually not the only thing. You know, people don't just get tired of having a messy house, they get tired of like how it impacts their life. And I feel like oftentimes people will get into fixing up their home because they're ready for everything else to change. So it's a very emotional process. So do you ever, you know, get into a space and somebody knows that they need to let go of these items, but it seems like maybe they're not quite ready? Absolutely. I mean, that's most people, right? So just by bringing me into their space, they're already acknowledging that they really want to change. But it still definitely is a struggle. So one way that I vary from Marie Kondo in my own practice is I try to start with something easier than clothing. Um, I try to start with what is definitely trash, what can we definitely get rid of, and I try not to push people sooner than they're ready. So if somebody wants to hold on to something for now, I'm not going to pressure them on that, and they will get practice about how to let go. So going back to your space a little bit, has it always looked like this? I mean, have you always been um, a sort of neat person? Absolutely not. Um, I always got the feedback when I was a kid from my teachers that I was just like a smart kid but totally disorganized and I would always lose my homework and my space was a mess. Uh, I didn't learn how to be tidy until actually I read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up um, about five years ago. 
and I followed all of the things meticulously, and I got rid of almost everything I owned. It felt extremely difficult to go through my stuff. Um, I'm transgender, and so for me, tidying up had a lot of thinking about my own life and, you know, this shirt isn't just a shirt, it's a women's shirt, and how do I feel about that, and why do I still have it? And thinking about, like, sometimes there's things that don't bring you joy, but that you need to hold on to because you're not quite ready to um, give them up yet, even if they make you feel negatively. So there was a lot of those feelings at first, uh, and... I finished that summer of getting rid of everything by putting everything I owned in a Kia Spectra and driving to Indiana. Um, and that kind of was it, getting rid of most of what I owned was important for me before moving away from my hometown for college. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like you said, I mean, it's a time when not just one thing, but lots of things are changing in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we have such a fraught relationship with our stuff in this country, and we all kind of carry this shame about our possessions, and I don't want us to, you know? I think we all kind of have to deal with that. And the more we can talk about that, the better. I love that this is a trend now. I kind of was always embarrassed talking about it before the show came out. And this is sort of a, a simple, silly question, I think, but this whole idea of what sparks joy is really interesting to me. You know, uh, this is something that Marie Kondo definitely says, so I'm basically quoting her, but it's hard to know what sparks joy until you see it, and a lot of what this process is about is not about getting rid of stuff. It's about finding out what makes you happy, um, which is a really important skill, so you can kind of hone your sense of what brings you joy by touching your favorite shirt, and then you'll realize that the other shirts don't make you feel that good. And that is a skill that can benefit you anywhere in your life, for sure. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Can you tell me a little more, more about the resentment that you developed and then like when you started to let go of it? It's kind of difficult for me to say like how my social inexperience is definitely connected to how I felt more than being like 14. So I don't know how much of it is just like being 14 is hard and everything's kind of socially awkward. But something that I kind of came to resent my parents about is that you talk about like extracurriculars and all this stuff, but like I'm from kind of like a big family and not even like my family's not poor. It's just extracurriculars cost a lot of money. Um, and then also just like a transportation thing. Like my parents have to have time to like take, you know, one of my siblings to this thing and this thing and this thing. And they didn't really have like the time for that. So something that I came to resent like kind of in my later high school is like everybody has been doing these things since they were so young and everybody's been like involved in all these clubs and has been like playing these sports and these instruments whereas I just kind of like never even did those things like I still don't do those things now and it kind of felt like I felt very co-signed to being like well I didn't start when I was six so I can't start now which like 
even now, like that's only been four years and I'm like, that's such a stupid mentality. Like I can learn anything what I want. Like I'm only 21 years old. Like I can start playing soccer. But when I was 17, I was very in this mindset of being like, well, I didn't start doing these things when I was a kid. So I really can't now. And just seeing like all of like the opportunities that my classmates had started when they were really young. Whereas like I'd never done those things. And I really started letting go of the resentment when I kind of like looked at the reality of the situation and like honestly being like would my life have been better if I went to public school in super upstate New York in a town with less than a thousand people and I kind of like that like hit me one time where I was like I'm a person of color like people would like literally like stare at our family when we went into town I'm like how good would my social life have been in this super redneck school in upstate New York, even if both my parents did go to work and, like, I wasn't, like, schooled that much. But I'm just like, would my life in upstate public school really be fun? Would I, like, would I now, would this podcast be about me, like, letting go of being, like, people were so racist to me in public education in upstate New York because literally, like, 0.01% of the population is, like, people of color. Next up, it's story time. Donmai Madipati will take you on a journey through the animal kingdom and discuss the concept of letting go through the perspective of motherhood. Motherhood. It's a universal concept that crosses not only throughout humanity, but also to the great animal kingdom. We are now going to relax and immerse our inner child as I tell stories about different species where all of motherhood experiences the same thing at some point in their life, and that is letting go of their children. We start off with a mother who's on her journey to complete one task, and it is daunting. And unlike what we are used to, she's here to drop off her eggs and will not stay to see them hatch. And here is where we are, on the coast of Florida, where we meet Shelly, the sea turtle. In the quietest of moments, in the depths of the dark water pools, where there is only a serene hum, I look around to find a place to leave a sacred part of me that I have kept close to me for the past few months. The tiny little eggs, the same shape and size, that have yet to grow into their individual forms. I travel back to the place where I was born, where my mother had let me go. I find a spark near my last mating season, but not exactly the same one. I always come back to the same sand, mud, and rocks, my roots. I always come back to lay the new generation of sea turtles. And what more can I do to help these little ones, these hundreds of eggs that I have carried safely for miles, to come back to my home place? I drop the eggs and layer the sand over and over to keep my eggs warm for the next two months. Of these hundred eggs, only a few will survive. I hide the eggs underneath the sand so much so there is really no telling that they are there, as if I never came. And as I migrate to my next location, a hundred miles away on this sunny coast, I do not look back. The sun shines bright and I bask in its warmth not looking back to the eggs I just left. But underneath the sadness of the predetermined fate that only a few of them will hatch and survive, 
I find myself feeling okay. Because we come back, time and time again, to nest and then to depart, to come back again to do the same thing next season. It's a perpetual cycle, leaving a part of us every time, but not fully being able to let go. And next, we travel to the jungle, where we meet Lavi and her newborn baby girl. In the jungle, I can hear the cicada vibrating in the distance. The sound of the birds soaring high up above in the sky, the trickling of water streams, the sun rays that are breaking through the jungle vines and leaves. We reach my family of apes. It is a momentous ceremony as my new little one has entered the family. My family of intelligent and kind species. The warmth of her fur against mine is a feeling I cannot describe but only can understand through my experience. I see the curious eyes of the members around me looking at my precious little babies in my arms. I hold my child closer in protection, keeping her skin against mine always. The possessiveness I feel I know will only last until I am sure that my child can take care of herself. But for the seven years, I can't find it in myself to give my child away for others to hold. Her frailness, her small size, brings out a motherly fierceness inside of me that I have never felt before. I am constantly on guard keeping her close to me, and as she coos in front of me, I know I will not be able to let her go. And lastly, this next story will be more familiar to you all. It's where we meet the Scrantons. It's August, and they are off to college to drop off their firstborn son, John. Meet Cynthia, the mom. They have a four-hour drive from Princeton, New Jersey to George Washington University in Washington, D.C., on the drive, I think about the last 18 years of my life. 18 years of raising John, as well as the number of people who helped him become who he is today. They speak the truth when they say it takes a village to raise a child. 18 years of hopefully teaching him something that he can take along to survive in the pandemonium that is college. I hope in the times that I pushed him to do baseball instead of watching TV, that it's taught him resilience. I hope that he uses his hand wipes that I gave him and not just throw them out because it's not cool that his mom still cares about him. I look back from the passenger seat to where John is from time to time. Life will be so different. Do you think he'll change his mind and come back? Oh, what am I even thinking right now? I knew this day would come. It's the same thing I did all those years ago when my mother shed a few tears when I left for college, even though I was a fast 30 minute train ride from home and as we pile everything into his new room where he'll live for the next four years, I ask him, do you even know how to do your laundry? And his reply makes me laugh. Oh, mom, you know I'm gonna come back next weekend with a whole pile for you to do, you know that, right? And with that, a warm feeling fills my chest, and I think, some of us just can't let go. The end. There is a spectrum. A spectrum of nurturing and the dependency that comes as an exhaust for that. There are turtles, there are apes, and then there are humans. The hybrid classification of nurture and dependency. Our childbearing period is a fairly long one. However, a universal feeling that all of motherhood goes through 
regardless if it's an animal or a human, is that we all have to let go. But it is clear that no matter what, when we let go, it seems as though we always leave a piece of us behind. Ultimately, yeah, it's it's like, of course, impossible to compare yourself because you're a case study with a single outcome. But all things considered, I feel like we probably aren't, you know, we're not that different from how we might have been because there is a lot of agency like in our adulthood and in our personalities. And obviously this was a better decision for you in some ways, but maybe not for the reasons that your mom made, right? Yeah, I definitely have to agree that it's just like letting go of like this other person, like this alternate reality was definitely a big thing for me. And just saying like, well, you know, I'm like coming to all these conclusions about how being homeschooled was bad for me that like I felt socially stunted. Like when I did start school, I felt like so behind and all this stuff. But at the same time, I think what I really let go is just looking at the positive sides of my personality that I'm someone very independent when it comes to like learning things and taking things up. Like I think a lot of people kind of have the mentality of, well, I need to take a class or like I need to have some type of instruction to learn this thing. Whereas I think I'm very like, I'm just going to start doing that thing. Like I'm going to start drawing. Like I literally like got my friend's mom to lend me a sewing machine so I could start sewing. So I think I really started letting go when I was one, like, oh my God, where I went to school, I honestly don't think, or where I would have gone to elementary school, I don't think I would have liked it. I think it actually would have been socially detrimental to me. And as well as just looking at the positive sides of my personality that have developed from that kind of like independence as a child. Next up, Jack Bassett looks inward speaking from his heart to share a look at letting go of a mindset. Here's a cinematic trip of love. heart-shaped birthmark she has on her neck. I love the way she sometimes licks her lips before she talks. I love the sound of her laugh. I love the way she looks when she's sleeping. I love how she makes me feel. Like, like anything's possible. Like, I don't know, like, like, life is worth it. What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, all right? I am in love with you. And I know that love is just a shout into the void and that oblivion is inevitable and that we're all doomed and that one day all of our labors will be returned to dust. And I know that the sun will swallow the only earth we will ever have. And I am in love with you. I don't recall what I got for my first Christmas. I don't know when I went on my first outdoor picnic, but I do remember the first time I heard 
sweetest voice in the wide world. You can sit here if you want. I had never seen anything so beautiful in my life. She was like an angel. They say when you meet the love of your life, time stops. And that's true. Did my heart love till now? Forswear its sight. For I never saw true beauty till this night. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. Winning that ticket, Rose, was the best thing that ever happened to me. It brought me to you. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. We're gonna have to work at this every day, but I wanna do that because I want you. I want all of you, forever, you and me, every day. <laughs> and don't forget, I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. You? You had me at hello. I think I'm in love with you. You mean as friends? Oh. I mean, for real. Because you're like the coolest person I've ever met. And, and you don't even have to try, you know? I try really hard, actually. I could be in the man grows old with you I want to grow with you I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. And cut. These are all just movies. What you heard was fiction and a false representation of love. But I've grown up on these movies. I have developed an addiction to the chronicles of fate and destiny on the big screen. I yearn and aspire to replicate these stories into my own tale of triumph and the world of love. But my love is no film noir. The real world of romance, for me at least, consists of believing in love at first sight, gazing at the girl across from me in the classroom, who turns out to be a lesbian. Going on a quaint ice cream date in the middle of nowhere and getting stood up. Or dealing with this beautiful girl standing before me so gracefully 
until she pukes at my feet. All of which has happened to me in the past week. You sure don't see that in a film. Instead, you see something much better. You see happiness. And as cynical as the world is that we live in, what's so wrong with that? Why not see something better than reality? At least I can be inspired to keep my head up and look for my own real chance at something special. It's these movies that keep the idea of love alive for me. It's the words spoken so sweetly on the silver screen that speak volumes today. It's the way the stars gaze into each other's eyes, the way their lips line up against one another as they share a kiss. It's an act I know, but it's an act that has me fooled. It makes me a fool who believes what I'm watching can one day become a reality of my own. And I know I shouldn't let this false sense of hope go, but I can't. No matter what everyone may say, think, or feel about this mindset, I just can't help it. I won't let it go. All I can do is just wait for my own love story. With this twisted logic, I can just dream of a love so pure and poetic that it belongs on the big screen. A bestseller that flocks audiences all across the globe. My own romance that can maybe at least make some kid out there, some fool, believe in love for themselves. You're not thinking I'm someone else. I know you are not. Or that we've met before? I know we have not. I felt I knew something never before was going to happen. Had to happen, but this is so much more. My hands are cold. Yours too. So warm. So beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, I think something important to remember and like what also is another factor in just letting go is like, it's not if I like just build up all this resentment and anger, like the clock's just going to turn back and it's just my parents are going to put me in school as a child and it's just, especially now as a 21 year old, because a lot of this resentment was going on when I was like more like 17, it just kind of feels stupid because in the grand scheme of things this really hasn't affected my life that much like I don't see like it's not like I know I missed out on this amazing opportunity because I wasn't in the fifth grade in public education but it really has not been so incredibly detrimental I have really close relationships with my siblings like there are a lot of like terrible things about public education as a person of color I didn't go to through until I was 14 and I was way more socially equipped to deal with that and overall I think my relationship with my family and my mom like I think we're closer and I think it's good that even though she was working that you know we would have those days where it's like let's go out into the wild and let's explore and it's like I think I have better memories of that time and just thinking about being with my family that I would have just like sitting at a desk studying for a standardized test and honestly like I think it was kind of fun in my early childhood. It wasn't until like when I finally did get into school. It was honestly when I got to school that I like started feeling resentment about it because I felt so behind. Just the takeaway for me is that it's 
possible to look back on the good things that it did for us fondly and for me at least realize that I now have the agency to carve out my own path basically as anyone does. I guess I always will have been homeschooled but I sure am not homeschooled anymore. Yeah, very much agreed. Sometimes letting go is purposeful. Other times it comes out of nowhere. That's the kind that can be the hardest to get used to. And people lose things all the time. Car keys, wallets, loved ones. Sheila Raghavendran talked to folks about how they deal with the losses of all sorts of things. Can you tell me about something that you've lost? Literally everything from the head that's on my shoulders to, uh, to my phone to everything. Uh, I'm actually known as the guy that loses things. Oh, I have way too bad of a me- I lost my memory. My prom date wasn't stolen. He just decided not to come today. <laughs> I lost my uh, credit card, like, literally yesterday. Uh, I was at a pool uh, pool bar, and I uh, lost my Hawaiian, my favorite Hawaiian shirt. I lost a ring once. Um, I lost my jade necklace here. It was my mom's, and my grandma gave it to her. So I've been looking all over for it. I just feel really sad, and I feel awful because it's supposed to stay in the family, and I don't know where it is now. Um, I lost my uncle two years ago to, like, a system, like, a machine failure. Uh, he had this condition with his kidney, and like he had to have, have his blood washed every day. And then the machine, like, it froze or like it got contaminated or something. And then he um, got a heart attack and died. It was hard for my grandma more than me, just because like they're closer, obviously. Um, but yeah, I she would always come to my room at night, and I would comfort her. So taught me a lot about life. I lost my dog whenever I was younger. Yeah, I had German Shepherds that attacked my Pomeranian, and so I lost him that night. It was really messed up. It was really sad. Yeah, I... (laughs) No, I know! I know! I'm sorry I'm laughing. I was, like, probably, like, eight or nine. It really sucked because, like, I still love my dogs, even though they did this to my other dog. It was, like, a weird conflict with my emotions at the time because I had to learn how to deal with like losing something like that. Lost contact with my dad for a little bit. It was interesting. Uh, I think the silence made it more tolerable um, at first and then when we reached back out it was like oh this we like gained something in the silence and so the loss like ended up being like kind of like addition by subtraction. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Sheila Raghavendran. I feel like as I've this has been so cathartic and I've, as I've said I'm not really looking back and saying, like, you know, I'm just so sad. I missed that standardized test. And for a while, I had all this resentment that I really have let go. And it's just become so much easier to forget, like, feeling inferior and behind when people would be like, what are you doing homeschooling and stuff? Whereas now, like, I kind of just focus on those days where I would just kind of go out with my family and, like, live life and not have to, like, focus on being like a college student as like a third grader because that's basically what it is and being like I have to do my homework um yeah so I'm just really focusing on like the good parts like the independence those like that time I could spend with my family that I probably wouldn't have if I had of like been in standard education and just like this independence in my personality and creativity where I don't feel like I need to be like well the art teacher said to do it like this um so I'm just focusing on the positives and I've really let go of like that resentment of 
when I first entered school of just feeling so behind and like so inferior. As complicated as our feelings may have been about our education and the way that our lives have come to this point, uh, we love our parents. Uh, thank you all so much. All of the time, money, and love they invested. So appreciated. They tried their best. I'm so grateful. This is just one aspect. Parents are people too. They had our best interests at heart. And that's why we're letting go. Yes, agreed. Agreed.